welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. Hallelujah. Well, we, um, we're privileged to witness um, a wonderful union on Friday. And that was Carla and Lindsay. And it was absolutely a beautiful wedding. I'm sure you've all seen photos by now if you're on Facebook. Or beautiful. She was looking gorgeous, lovely bride. And obviously, she had the height and everything to be able to carry that beautiful dress off. And, and uh, we had a wonderful mother of the bride, Ali. And Ali was just so beautiful with her lovely hat and flowing dress and everything. And uh, all of the family. And it was a wonderful wedding. And the, the Allen family, you're just a, such a nice, lovely, all-embracing family. And it just set the tone for that whole day, didn't it? Just lovely tone for the whole day. It was so relaxed and really nice. And there wasn't any stress involved. It was just easy. It was just in God, and it was wonderful. So hallelujah. God is so good. Praise God. Well, we want to continue our series in, of faith today. Um, and pastor listened to the word through the week. Pastor did a great, gave a great message on faith versus fear last week, and uh, it was great. Are you catching up with the podcast? Everybody catching up with podcasts anytime you're not here? Do you all have the BCC app? A few people are looking puzzled. What is that, Valerie? Do you know what that is? No, Valerie's looking like, what is that? Can somebody please... Anybody else not know what the BCC app is? Okay, Rebecca. So anybody else? Come on, own up, because we'll get you plugged in. So, um, okay, uh, just catch up with that so we can go along in our series and things together. Amen. Let's pray. God, we just thank you and we praise you that, Holy Spirit, that you give illumination and revelation of your word today that everything we read from your word, that you just give us understanding of it and help us to apply it to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're saying it's so important just to, to walk in faith, and faith is a walk. Faith involves taking steps. So it's, it's to walk in faith, you've got to take a step, and then you've got to take another step, and so forth. And these, the day, every time it, it's been important to walk by faith because faith pleases God. But particularly these days, we've got to be able to walk by faith and everything that we need in our lives, we've got to be able to bring it from the kingdom of heaven and appropriate it into our lives. Whether we're not experiencing the healing um, power, like we walk, our family walk in divine health, I walk in divine health in each one of us for any reason. So it's not me trying to be healed, it's it's I walk in health and Satan would try and take that from me, he tries to steal. So I then, if that was to happen, I use the promises of God by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. So everything we have to live this life is already provided for us, but we get it by faith. Okay. And uh, our key scripture that we've been looking at is Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. So it's so important to learn about faith and how we walk it. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder 
He's such a good God. He rewards us, those who diligently seek him. And the last time I taught, we looked at the difference between hope and faith. That hope is in, if you go by the tenses, hope is in the future. And you need to build that um, blueprint of hope. You've got to get things in your heart, circumstances, to see them change. And that is what you're hoping for. And then faith is that substance that comes in and grabs and with full assurance in the heart, you have what you've been hoping for. You may not see it, but you have it. So been looking for that. So hope is the blueprint of faith. Amen? Um, I gave you an example of one time when I was believing God for a car. Um, I was very specific. I believe God, we have to be specific when we ask him for things. You know, if I just says, I want a car, well, look at all the types of cars there are. And God wants to be specific. He wants to know, well, what, what do you want? He knows what's in our heart already, but he wants us to ask him. And then he gets a real tickle with just providing that specific thing we've asked for. And oftentimes it's better. Has anybody experienced that? Oftentimes when he provides, it's even better because he knows the desire. He knows what we're really like. And uh, so I, I gave that example of when I was believed for a little car, an automatic car that would be good for going around the town and so forth. So I was hoping for that. But then there came a point when I had assurance in my heart and I knew this car was going to be given to me by someone. And um, I was telling mom one day, I took her out, and the next day I was out with a pastor friend, I said, you know, telling her, I, I just know God's going to be giving me a car. And it was later that day. I got the car. So there was the example of how you're hoping for something, but it shifts into faith, full assurance. I have it now, even though I cannot see it. Um, so what else? Just to recap on. But again, go back and hear the word uh, on this. We looked at Mark in chapter 4, and that was when Jesus was going with his disciples across the lake, and he was saying, let us cross over to the other side. So Jesus' purpose was to go to the other side. Let's get in a boat and cross this water and go to the other side. But we know a storm came up, and it was not a quiet storm. It was, you know, the, the, the waves would have been very high, and the disciples thought they were going to die. And they were fearful. And we looked at the fact, and it's Mark in chapter 4 and verse 40, that God didn't come and go, wake up and, and go over to them and, and come on, let's gather round. Gather around my little chick disciples and just, it's all going to be okay. Just wait a minute, I'm going to calm the storm. He didn't do that. He went and he spoke to the storm. And then he came to them and he says, why are you so fearful? Fearful, full of fear. How is it that you have no faith? If you're full of fear, you don't have in that area. Isn't that right? Because you cannot be in fear and faith at the same time. It is impossible. And so we see that even though those disciples were with Jesus all of the time, you know, they 24-7 they were with him. He was explaining all the parables to them in private. They were always getting that private audience. They were eating with him. You know, they were sleeping beside him. All of that. And yet, just because of that did not mean that they automatically had faith. 
So just because you call yourself a Christian does not mean you automatically are walking in faith. Yes, you have a measure of faith. And we've looked at that, Romans 1.17, you have a measure of faith, but we're called to exercise that. You know what? If you are not using your faith, your faith is shrinking. Say you've used your faith before, and you've seen some faith um, uh, victories, and then, you know, you've just laid off in this for a bit because life's comfortable. You don't have any sickness to buy. You know, you're walking in health and financially you're comfortable well that faith that you had been growing it starts to shrink so the worst thing for anybody a believer of God is to never have things you're believing for and the last time we were together speaking I said what are you believing for what things are you believing for what circumstances are you looking to see changed by faith in your life because then you're exercising, you're walking out that faith. We looked at faith can be measured. Uh, in Second Thessalonians 1, 3, it says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. Isn't that wonderful? Faith grows. If it grows, then it can shrink. It grows. Luke 12 and 28 um, the Lord addressed him saying, Oh, you of little faith. So if he's saying little faith, there can be great faith. Romans 4.19 talks about weak faith. But the next verse talks about Abraham was strengthened in faith. Matthew 8 and 10, the centurion talked of the centurion's great faith. And Acts 6 and 5 talked about Stephen, one of the deacons. He was a man full of faith. And so we looked and we said, well, if you can be full of faith, then you can be half full, weak or little faith. And so it can, faith can be measured. And we've learned that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, reading the word of God. And you can't just read the word of God like you read a book or you read a newspaper. In other words, information, information. That will not produce faith. There's many people that can quote the Bible cover to cover and just memorize it off, but they're not walking in faith. So even scripture memorization will not just cause faith to come. When you read the word of God, you're growing in your relationship with God. You should be saying, "Did, did that really happen, God? Are you really saying that nothing is impossible? Are you really, are you telling me I can lay hands on the sick and they will are you telling me that? Is it not just for enough for the evangelists and the pastors to do that? You tell, and that's how you work with the word. Whatever it says, you apply it to your life, and, and then faith starts to come. Yes, God, I believe that I can lay hands on the sick. What was it, about two weeks ago, I was up um, outside Kingdom Harvest every Saturday between 1 and 4 from the beginning of August, They've been putting up a gazebo and praying for the sick or just ministering with the same soul saved and so forth. So two weeks ago, I, I just went up for a short time um, to be there because, again, I think I was telling somebody else, when you're pastoring, a lot of times you're with the saints, you're with the sheep. You're not, it's not like I'm going to um, the office and uh, with a whole lot of unsaved people. So for me, getting out occasionally to meet 
people, other than when I'm doing my shopping and doing whatever else. It's nice. So I was able to go up there and um, while one of the girls, Michelle, was praying and leading this gentleman to the Lord, Wendy and I were um, praying for this girl who was partially deaf and she was lip reading. And so we prayed that, and, and she said she could hardly read. So I'd given her a little, uh, little brochure, it was for the back to school Sunday, and she just, she didn't even look at it. She just had put it up, folded it into four and put it in her pocket. So I said, well, we're going to pray for your reading. She was about 20, and we're going to pray for your ears, your hearing. And I asked, do you mind if I lay hands in your ears? She said, that's okay. So I had my hands here over each ear and prayed the first time. Any difference? She's lip reading? No. She left her hearing aid at home, so she's partially hearing. And no. Second time? No. Third time I prayed, I heard something pop. I felt something popped in here because my hand was there. And um, she said, like that, a little bit more. Fourth time, a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, she's sitting here, and she just jumps startled back. And Wendy's going, do you hear the drips? Is it the dripping from the gazebo? Do you hear that? And then she's looking to the road, because the buses and all are going across the road. And she just goes, I can hear. And just went into tears. Isn't it wonderful? That's taking the word of God. I can lay hands on the sick. Amen? And of course, the greatest miracle is salvation. The gentleman gave his heart to the Lord a few weeks before that. There was another few saved. That is for all of us. It's for us, the believers' ministry. Amen? And we're going to see more and more of that as we engage with people, as we listen to the Holy Spirit when he says, pray for that one, bring the word to that one, share your story with this one and that one. Amen? And uh, then I said, what about just, uh, can you get out the wee leaflet that she'd folded in her pocket? So she got that out. And I says, can you read it? And she read it perfect. Praise the Lord. Amen. All glory to God. Hallelujah. So that's, um, so Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Just going forward from Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance. And we've talked about that. Robin brought it out when he taught Faith is that assurance in the heart. It's the confidence or it's the title deed of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Things that the physical eye cannot see. That's what faith is. Um, if you read Young's little tra literal translation in verse 11, it says, Now faith, and faith is of things hoped for, a confidence of matters not seen, a conviction. So you're convicted, you have confidence, even though you cannot see, you've got an assurance. So faith has to do with having assurance of things that are hoped for and of things that are not seen, things that are not yet. Romans 8 and 24, uh, reading from the voice translation, it says... Romans 8, 24. For we have been saved in this hope, but hope does not involve what we already have or see. And while I'm teaching you this morning, I want you to be thinking of those things you're believing for and applying that word to, yeah, I'm believing for those things, applying the word to that. But hope does not involve what we already have or see. For who goes around hoping for what he already has? 
But if we wait expectantly, and that is hope. It's having that neck stretched out in expectation. And then assurance comes, I have that now. Amen? But if we wait expectantly for things we've never seen, then we hope with true perseverance or patience and eager anticipation. And I've said before, it's faith and patience working together. Who has been standing for a while expecting something? You have the assurance, but you can't. It's not seen physically yet. Then you're walking in patience now. The enemy will want to come along and he will lie to you and say, you've been waiting for so long, give up. Or is God such a good God because, you know, you've been standing so faithfully and, and it tries to wear you down. And that's where the patience comes in. And God is the one who gives you that patience. Isn't that wonderful? Everything we have, we don't have to work for anything. We've been given it all. We just have to lay back on that and go, I I rest in patience. It is mine. It is mine. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So what you're standing for, if it's in the will of God, you have that assurance, it will manifest. You patiently wait. Um, so circumstances can look a certain way in the natural, but the eyes of faith will see them completely different. So I would always tell the kids, you know, hear my spirit, spirit man, so it's out of your belly rivers of liver, living water flow. So my spirit man's here, and my spirit man has eyes to see and ears to hear. So we can see with our spiritual eyes the way the word says that circumstance should be and not look and rely on the physical, the physical eyes. Oh, will this ever change? We're looking at the physical with the physical eyes. We need to be looking with our spiritual. Um, so Second Corinthians 5 and 7, it says that we walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by the senses, you could say. So um, faith is only possible. It's only possible when something is not seen and not yet. It's only possible when something is not seen and not yet. When that manifests what you're believing for, then you don't need faith for it anymore. So it's all to do with sight, our spiritual sight, and not the natural sight. Have you heard of the phrase, seeing is believing? Seeing is believing. Do you think that's lining up with the Word of God? Seeing is believing is contrary to the Word of God, isn't it? Seeing is believing. Somebody who said, well, seeing is believing is somebody that does not know much about faith. Um, so let's just look at John and chapter 20. John chapter 20. I'm going to start in verse 24. 
So faith is being fully persuaded about things that are not seen. It's being fully persuaded about things that are not yet. So this was after Jesus was resurrected. And verse 24, if we're all there, John 20, chapter 20, verse 24 to 29. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was with them when Jesus came. Sorry, was not with them, that's important. Thomas was not with them when Jesus came. Verse 25, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, now you'd think we have seen the Lord. He'd be going, you've seen the Lord. You've seen my God. You've seen him. Because the last thing Thomas knew was that he was buried. You've seen my Lord. Maybe he did, but it's not recorded here. Thomas said, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side. I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Well, let's just leave it there. I will not believe. But Thomas, he made up his mind unless he could feel, unless he could see, I will not believe. There's a lot you could learn there. I will not. That's stubborn. Isn't it? Stubborn. I will not believe. And yet Jesus would have labored with his disciples and talked to them about these things. Having faith. Don't be faithless. And yet there's Thomas. I will not believe unless my senses can feel. I can see with my natural eyes. I can taste. I can smell. The other disciples, you know, they, they probably got with him. Thomas, remember, Jesus said he'd be raised up. We saw him. But he had unbelief in his heart. You know, Hebrews 3 and Verse 12, it warns against having an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. That's what Jesus thinks of unbelief. He calls it evil. <gasps> Pastor Karen, you wouldn't call a Christian evil? You wouldn't call anybody evil if they don't believe in something? No, I wouldn't. But the writer of Hebrews did. An evil heart of unbelief. One that turns away from truth. This word is everything. Genesis to Revelation, this is truth. And that's why everything in it, whether we like it or not, we receive it as truth. Whether we're walking in it all or not, because I'm not walking in it all yet but I'm endeavoring to walk in more and more and more as I go. Amen? So this is true if we don't want to have that a heart of unbelief. So do you think Jesus was happy with Thomas' response? 
Let's continue reading then. Verse 26. It says, After eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. Because he knew that Thomas needed to see with his physical eyes and feel. Reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here. Put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And verse 28, And Thomas answered, and he said to him, My Lord and my God. He was finally convinced. Now I know. In verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Because you've felt me, you've believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's where the blessing is. That's the blessing of faith. God will jump over a crowd of people to that one person in a room or a whole auditorium where he sees faith because it pleases him. And when he sees unbelief, it displeases him. And he actually calls it evil. That is why I endeavor to learn more of this word, not because I'm a pastor. It's because I need to know how I get to know my Lord and how I walk with him. And how I can please him by taking the steps that he gives me to take. And you know, every step you take in faith, it'll take you out of your comfort zone. Who wants to be comfortable in this life? Come on, we're spirit beings. Well, you take that step and you know what? It's uncomfortable, but you've taken it. And then he leads you to the next step and the next. Hallelujah. So walking by faith, it's tremendous. Romans 4 and 17, it says, God calls those things that do not exist as though they did. And Abraham believed God. And Romans, let's turn to Romans 4. Abraham believed God and he did that. He called those things that did not exist as though they did. And he's an example to us. And our father, Father Abraham, So let's look quickly at Romans 4, because I'd love to just get time to read from the, a, a little book, but I may not get there. Romans chapter 4 and verse, verses 19, 19 to 21, it says about Abraham, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, because he was believing for a, a son. And the deadness of Sarah's womb as wife. He did not waver at the promise of God for that son through unbelief. But he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced, faith, that what he had promised, what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Faith begins where the will of God is known. I see a lot of you aren't taking notes. I just, I'd love you to be taking notes, not because Pastor Karen's a great preacher, 
because when any person preaches the anointed word of God, the Holy Spirit can talk to you. Write that down if you're taking notes. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Once you have the will of God in a circumstance or a situation, or maybe he, you know, what you're believing for, uh, maybe that is a material thing, whatever. Once you know the will of God, the will of God, he wants you healed, he wants you whole. So if, you know, if you're experiencing sickness, then that the will of God is whole. So you find out that's the will of God. That is what you believe for. Amen. And says, verse 22, Therefore, because Abraham did that, it was accounted to him for righteousness. God honored him because he trusted him. He just loved Abraham. I stood in faith. You know, it's totally disrespectful to say to God, I need to see it first. And it's totally not faith. Because if you see it in front of you, you don't need faith. It's disrespectful. I know you said it, God, but I just, you know me, I'm a touchy person. I like to see. No, it's disrespect. We're called to walk by faith. It's the only way to please the Lord. Um, The eyes of faith and our hearing our spiritual ears. If you... You, I've said before, you need to have that that picture, that what you're hoping for, that circumstance that you need to see change. So you're looking at a circumstance in the natural, and you need to paint another, a different picture about what the Word of God says about that circumstance. And see, every time you're looking at circumstance with the physical eyes, you need to quickly turn from it when you can, because it may be in front of you all of the time, And you need to see what that image is. Well, it's down here, that image that you have, what the Word of God says, that spiritual image of that, the way that circumstance or that situation should be, as it is in heaven, it should be, and it will be. Amen? If you just keep looking with your physical eyes at that situation, you will get down, um, further down if you're not building yourself up in that word and you haven't got that vivid picture so it's so important if you're believing for instance for a husband needs to get saved you see that man holding the word of God you see him at the altar crying his eyes out (laughs) what type of man do you want he wants somebody who's got passion and emotion and when he comes to the Lord he's going he's not just going to sit in his chair and you know fold his arms and his legs and, you know, I'm safe now. No, you get that picture in, in your, uh, your heart about this man. He's, he's going to come through with the Lord. He's going to love the word of God. He's going to do the, the, what God has planned for his life. You see him at the family table, maybe if the kids are smaller and, and he's leading the kids in devotions. That's what you do, man. It's the same you're believing for your wife. Get that picture. And don't just settle. Listen, if you settle for something here, you're going to get something here. If you settle here, you're going to get, you know? But it's by faith. Use those faith ears. Hear what God is saying. People, our natural ears, are hearing all around what everybody else is saying. But you can be in a crowded room 
And you can be hearing what other people are saying, but you can be locked in with your spiritual ears to what heaven is saying. Conscious. I remember years ago of Valerie, it just came to me by the Holy Spirit. It was when Iceland was open and the flagship and everything years ago. And um, we'd just come out of Iceland or something. I says, Valerie, come here. And I come stand beside me. And we're looking over where the escalator goes down. We're looking at all the people around, down below. And I says, look, Valerie, just look at, their wee, look, at, look at all those people and look for the little lights. In other words, I was getting her to exercise her spiritual eyes. Look for the little lights. Who's, who's a Christian? Little lights. Can I have another five minutes? Because I just want to read something from um, this book, which I love. Um, when I was here before, some of the, the closed group girls will remember this. The Fourth Dimension. Um, it's written by Dr. Yongi Cho, and um, he, I'm not sure if it's still the biggest church in the world, but certainly was at one time. At the time of this book was written, and that was, I think, in 89. See, he had like 150,000 in his congregation. Mom and dad had been out to that church, and um, they had a tremendous report about it. So this man has something to say. He, he started his life out in absolute poverty. He had nothing over in Korea, South Korea. And I just want to read this, and hopefully that will help you a little bit today. So I've tried to cut some of it down. So basically, um, he was believing he had nothing. He was in severe poverty, and he was now um, a pastor. There were a few in his church. I don't even know if it, it was a church. It was some sort of a ministry. But he was believing for a desk, a chair, and a bicycle. And he'd asked the Lord for the desk, the chair, and the bicycle. But week after week, a month after month, a number of months had gone past, and he didn't have any. And he got before the Lord, and he, he, was, he was crying. He said, I'm so sad. How, how am I going to believe you, friend, when none of this is manifested? And God spoke and says, well, do you know how many bikes and types of bikes there are? Types of chairs? In other words, God says, be specific. So he went back to the drawing board, and he went down, and he was specific. And so let me see. I'll start here. Lord, um, then I says, Lord, do you really want me to pray in definite terms? This time the Lord led me to turn to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Faith is the substance of things, clear-cut things hoped for. I knelt down again and said, Father, I'm sorry. I made a great mistake and I misunderstood you. I cancel all my past prayers and I'll start all over again. So I gave the size of the desk, which was made of um, Philippine mahogany. And I wanted the best kind of chair, one with an iron frame with rollers on tips so that I could sit on it and push myself around like a big shot. Then came to the bicycle. I really gave a lot of consideration to the matter because there were so many different types of bicycles, Korean, Japanese, German, American, and so forth. So he said, I want to have a really good, strong bike. Father, I want to have a bicycle made in the USA with gears on the side so that I can regulate the speed. I ordered these things in such articulate terms that God could not make a mistake in delivering them. Then I felt faith flowing up and out of my heart, and I was rejoicing in the Lord that night. I slept like a baby. 
But when I awoke at 4.30 the next morning to prepare for the early morning prayer meeting, I suddenly found that my heart was empty. The evening before, I had all the faith in the world, but while I slept, faith took wing and left me. I could not feel anything in my heart, and I said, Father, this is terrible. It's one thing to have faith. It's entirely different to keep that faith till I receive your answer. And this is the trouble common that's common to a lot of Christians. They have a special guest speaker. They're filled with faith, and when the minister, he ministers to them, before they reach their homes, they've lost it. Their faiths took wings and flies. On that morning, while I was reading the Bible and looking for a particular scripture to speak on, suddenly my eyes fell on Romans 4.17. God raises the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. My heart fastened to that scripture and it began to boil in my heart. I said to myself, I might as well just call those things which are not as though they are and as, as if I already have them. I'd, answered, I'd received the answer to the problem of how to keep one's faith. I rushed to our tent church, so it was a tent church, where the people had already begun praying and a few songs. I started preaching and I expounded in that scripture. And I said, folks, by the blessings of God, I have a desk made of Philippine mahogany, a beautiful chair with a cast iron frame and rollers in the tips, and a bicycle made in the USA with gears in the side. Praise God, I've received all these things. And the people gasped because they knew that I was an absolute poverty-stricken. I was bragging about these things, and they could not believe their ears. In faith, I was praising God, doing just what the Word of God told me to do. Well, after the service, as I was walking out, three young fellows followed me and said, Pastor, we want to see those things. I just It helps us on our journey when we're believing by faith. Well, I was taken aback and I was frightened because I had not counted on having to show any of these things. These people were living in a slum area and once they knew I had lied, it would be the last time to minister to them. They would never come back. I was in a terrible situation, so I began to pray to the Lord. Lord, from the beginning, that wasn't my idea. It was your idea for me to tell like that. I just obeyed you and now I'm in a terrible situation. I said it as if I had it and now... How can I explain this? You've got to always help me. Then the Lord came and gave me an idea. It floated up in my heart. And I said, you come over to my room and see. So they all came and they looked around to find the bicycle, the desk, and the chair. And I said, don't look around. I'll show you later. And pointing my finger at Mr. Park, who's now the pastor of one of the largest assemblies of God, churches in Korea, and said, I'll ask you a few questions. If you can answer my questions, I'll show you all of these things. How long were you in your mother's womb before you were born into this world? He scratched his head and he says, well, nine months. Then I replied, and what were you doing for nine months in your mother's womb? Oh, well, I was growing. But I said, but nobody saw you. No one, no, they couldn't see inside my mother. Then I said, that you were as much a baby inside your mother's womb as you were when you were born into the world. You gave me the right answer, I said. Last evening, I knelt down and I prayed to the Lord for a desk, a chair and a bicycle. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I conceived that desk, chair and bicycle. It is as if they're inside growing in me right now. And as they are as much a desk, chair and a bicycle 
as when they will be seen by the people at the time of the delivery. Well, they started laughing and laughing and they said, this is the first time that we've ever seen a man pregnant with a bicycle, a chair and a desk. Rushing out of my room, they began to spread the rumor all over the town that the minister was pregnant with a bicycle, a chair and a desk. I could hardly walk through that town because women would gather and they would just giggle. Mischievous youngsters would come on Sunday and they'd touch my stomach and say, Pastor, how big are you becoming? But all of those days I knew I had every one of those things growing in me. It just takes time. And as a mother takes time to give birth to a child, it takes time for you too because you become pregnant with all your clear-cut vision. I was praising the Lord, and sure enough, when the time came, when the time came, when the time came, I had every one of those things. I had exactly all the things I asked for, a desk made out of Philippine mahogany, a chair made by a Japanese Mitsubishi company with rollers on the tips so that I could roll around when I sat on it, and a slightly used bicycle with gears on the side from an American missionary's son. I brought that desk, chair, and bicycle into my house and was completely changed in my prayer attitude. Oh, you want to read the rest of that book? It's tremendous. The Fourth Dimension... Go online, Google, and I'm sure you can get old copies of it. It, is, it will really help you in your journey of walking by faith. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps and blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangercommunitychurch.co.uk or find us on Facebook.